expiration, you can text FAST to 345-345. After the 21 days, you won't get any more emails from us, but you'll get one a day. And so I just did it right before I got up here, and here's what it said to me in response. It said, so you want to join the 21-day FAST by text. Look at you being all cool and techie. Text your email address to join. So then I responded with my email address, or typed in my email address, sent it and said, kazam, you just joined the Project Church 21 Day Fast. Have a great day. So it's that easy. All right, so text FAST to 345-345. You'll get that response, punch in your email, and then it'll tell you you're good to go, and you'll be, able to, you'll be getting an email every day for the next 21 days, information and inspira- inspiration about our prayer journey for these 21 days. But listen, also... Every day, starting tomorrow, for the next 21 days, we're going to do a Facebook Live and Instagram Live video um, giving you more information and inspiration. So we would love for you to tune in at noon with us for these 21 days to watch, uh, to be a part of this prayer journey with us. If you miss it, you can go back and watch it on our Facebook or our Instagram. But uh, we'd love to you to do that. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. Go to our Facebook page and, and like it so that you see those pop up in your feeds. All right, we ready? You guys excited for today? I see it, man. I see the expectancy in this place. So here's what we're doing in this series. Uh, For the next three weeks, we're hitting on, and this is all stemming from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which says this, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So what we're doing is each week we're hitting on one of those. So today we're talking about faith, awakening faith. Next week we're talking about awakening hope, and the week after that we're talking about awakening love. And then we're going to finish this all off on January 28th with our Vision Sunday, which also happens to be our five-year anniversary as a church. Crazy. I can't even believe it. And that night, we're going to have a worship and prayer night at 6 p.m. right here at the Crest. So it's going to be a great day. Can't wait. Hope you guys stick with us. Come back for this whole series. Bring somebody with you. It's going to be incredible. But how many of you have ever been wakened up out of a dead sleep? Like awakened and it was, it was challenging, it was traumatizing. Uh, pretty regularly I'll wake up because I like sense something and turn my head and there's one of my children just standing there, like standing next to my bed all creepy like, like my three-year-old daughter with her hair in her face and it's like, daddy. I'm like, what? Uh, it, it's, it's a scary thing, right? Like that is not how you want to be woke up. But the other day, actually, it happened to fall asleep on the couch. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I fell asleep on the couch, and I slept all night on the couch. And at 5.15 in the morning, I heard this loud snap. And I jumped up because it, like, caught me so off guard. But I wasn't scared. I was excited. Because we had been trying to catch this mouse for two months straight. (laughs) The most elusive mouse in the history of mice We could not catch him. We tried everything. We had traps everywhere. We had poison out. I mean, we were doing everything. And this mouse was just living the dream in our house, pooping everywhere, man. He was just owning our house. And I heard this snap, and I jumped up, and I was like, yes. And I flipped on all the lights, and there he was, dead. Come on, somebody, for dead mice. Oh, those of you animal lovers. I know, he was actually pretty cute, but he was toast. But, man, that's how I like to be awakened, you know, something good happening like that. But listen, this series about awakening, we believe that God wants to usher an awakening in our souls, an awakening in our city. But, again, it has to start in us. For an awakening to happen through us as the church, it's got to start in us as the church. 
It has to start in us. There's no way an awakening can happen in this city, in this nation, if it doesn't start in us as God's people first. So 2 Chronicles 29 through 31 in this little section about King Hezekiah. Um, I, I gave you a little intro there before I read the passage. But Hezekiah is a king who stands in the gap of faithfulness for the disobedient people of Israel. They had forgotten about their God. Uh, they had forgotten about God bringing them out of Egypt. They had forgotten about God bringing them into the promised land. They had forgotten about all that God had done for them and how faithful he had been to them. And so this is a crucial moment in their history where they are literally on the precipice of disaster. But God, through Hezekiah, ushers in a revival or an awakening in the nation of Israel. And so what we're believing for as a church is that an awakening would start in us. So that God can bring an awakening through us to our city and to our nation. So faith awakening in us, it, it takes several things. And I got five points for you today. The first one is this. Awakening, faith awakening in us starts with cleaning out the junk from our lives. We got to clean out the junk from our lives. So I read that passage in 29 verse 3 through 5. It says in the first month of the first year of his, of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He reopened them because they'd been closed. The people weren't going into the temple to sacrifice. They weren't going into the temple to worship. It says he brought in the priests and the Levites and said, listen to me, Levites, remove all defilement from the sanctuary. You see, Hezekiah started this revival by bringing in the priests into the house of God, the house of worship, and this was not an accident. Here's what I believe. An awakening always begins with the people of God. For an awakening to happen in a city or in a nation, it always starts in the people of God. It has to start in the house of God. It has to start right here in Project Church, in God's people. The only way to see an awakening in our city is for it to start in us. It has to start in us. And I would be I think I'd be remiss to say that I'm sure there are people in this place who have felt asleep spiritually. I know that many of us have had moments in our lives, and I'd say even for me at times, I think about, man, I don't feel as close to God as I used to. I don't feel as passionate about God as I used to. I'm not as hungry for God's word as I used to. I'm not as regularly faithful in prayer as I used to be. I believe that God wants to awaken our souls and awaken our faith today so that he can then usher an awakening through us in this city. It's got to start with the people of God. It's got to start here. And I think a lot of us would have to be honest. We'd probably raise our hands if we were being honest and say, yes, I felt somewhat asleep spiritually. I'm not as close to God as I used to be. I'm not as passionate about God as I used to be. Today, I believe, is a day that God wanted to happen in the history of our church that he would awaken something fresh in our souls. He would awaken a faith in us like never before. I think what a lot of us do, and, and the church is guilty of this. I've seen this in the church where we often, we want to blame our problems or the problems around us on them out there. We're like, well, it's their fault. It's the world's fault. We love to blame the world. And I don't even know who the world is, but it's just like everybody else. It's the world's fault. So we say things like, man, it's Hollywood. Those celebrities, they're just so immoral right? They're so sinful. We say it's the media, the fake news, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're too liberal. We say things like professors today, these colleges, man, they're just so cynical. They're so cynical. 
we say it's the millennials. <laughs> they want to blame a lot of y'all. It's the millennials, man. They don't commit to anything. They can't finish anything. Uh, they're lazy. It's the millennials' fault. That's why the world is the way it is. It's, it's the millennials. But let me tell you something. The problem isn't the world. The problem is the church. Listen to me. The problem isn't the world. The problem is the church. And here's what I mean by that. We in the church, we love to, to, uh, we love to tell the world or ask the world, why is the darkness so dark? We, we say it all the time. We say, why is the darkness so dark instead of asking why the light isn't shining brighter? Why would we accuse the dark of being dark? Of course it's dark. That's what darkness does. It stays dark. The question isn't, why is the darkness dark? The question is, why is the light not shining brighter? Why is the light of the church not shining the way the light of the church should be shining? Because the Bible tells us that we're a city on a hill. And that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And yet the question is, where is the church? People are asking all the time, where is the church? Why does it seem like the church has fallen asleep? Why? Because we need an awakening. We need our light to shine once again. We want to claim and, and, and accuse the dark of being dark when all the while it's the light that isn't shining bright enough. If the light was shining the way it should, we wouldn't have to worry about the dark. We need to clean out the junk from our lives. I'm talking about sin. And so I want you to ask yourself right now, like, what sin is there in your life that is holding you back from becoming more like God and closer to God? Now, we all have sin. I have sin. Y'all have sin. I mean, it's just a part of life that we sin. We're human beings. We're broken. We need a Savior in Jesus Christ because of our sin. But at the same time, the Bible actually tells us that as followers of Christ, we should be becoming more like Christ. We should be becoming more perfect, the Bible actually says. He's, Jesus said, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Is perfection something that we can actually get? No, because we'll never attain to it. We'll never, we'll never accomplish that. However, it is a goal, and getting sin out of our life is something that we should be focused on. So what sin is there in your life that is holding you back from the awakening that God wants to release in our church and in your life? Think about it. Because if there is sin that you've been holding on for weeks or months or years, you need to get accountability in your life. You need to get somebody in your life and you begin to confess that sin because that's the only way that God's going to remove it to bring the awakening that he wants in you. So that's what Hezekiah does. He goes into the temple. He tells them, he says, listen, come here. We're going to open the doors. The fact that there were priests and Levites and yet the temple wasn't even being used is a sad thing. That's a th sad thing in and of itself. That it took a new king who the first month of the first year of his reign, it was the first thing he did. It is 2018 now. This is the first Sunday. What would you say if the first Sunday of 2018, we decided right here, right now, that we were going to remove the defilement from our lives? We were going to take the sin out of our lives. We were going to confess it to God and say, God, I don't want this anymore. That's what God is calling us to in this place today. We need to get serious about our sin if we're going to be serious about an awakening in this city, in our lives. Second today, faith awakening in us starts with recentering on Scripture. Recentering on the Word of God, the things of God, what God's Word tells us. So we see in chapter 29, actually in verse 25 through 30, I'm not going to read it, but what Hezekiah does is he gets the Levites, he gets the priests, and he positions them, 
And he positions them with musical instruments and he tells them to read the word of God, to read it aloud. And then he tells them, let's worship God with the scriptures and with the things of God, with the word of God. And they begin to read it and they begin to celebrate and they begin to worship. They begin to, they begin to play music as they sing songs about God's word and about the scriptures that they are reading here. You know, this new year, uh, I started something with a group of guys. There's a version Bible app, which we always tell you guys to get. Um, it was on the screen at the beginning here. You can follow along on our live notes on there. But uh, a group of us guys, we got on a reading plan together. And I can actually see whether they've done their reading plan that day. In fact, you get a check mark next to your name when you complete the reading plan for that day. And let me tell you something. That is some good accountability and motivation for me. It is seven days in. It's January 7th. My check mark is there every day. And I'm checking in on them all. I'm looking. I'm like, oh, he ain't done it in the last two days. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I'm keeping an eye out on what everyone's doing. I'm, I'm committed. Right now. I'm like, 365 days. I'm not going to miss a check. I'm going to be on it, right? That motivation. But let me tell you something. It's funny to talk about, oh, well, I got my check mark, so I feel good about myself because I read the Bible. But there's something that happens when you make the Word of God part of your life it starts out as duty but then the du the duty can become devotion and then the devotion can become hunger you see devotion and duty and hunger those are different things like duty initially is like oh I just got to do this devotion is like no I want to do this and then a hunger is like I have to do this because if I don't I feel like there's something missing you ever been hungry in your life hungry for food I get hungry a lot are we hungry for the word of God the way we're hungry for the food that we eat every single day? I want to be hungry for God's word. We have to recenter ourselves on the scriptures. Man, we're about to, in a couple of weeks, we're rolling out community groups, brotherhood groups, sisterhood groups. These groups are all centered on the word of God. That we meet together in community, we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we study the word of God together so that we can grow together. I would encourage you that in these next couple weeks when we start having sign-ups, that you become a part of a brotherhood, a part of a sisterhood, a part of a community group. Why? So you can center yourselves on the scriptures of Jesus Christ. Center yourself on the word. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ or the word of God. If we're going to grow our faith, we got to hear, right? Faith comes from what? Hearing. But hearing comes through what? The word of Christ, the word of God. If we're going to grow our faith, if we're going to awaken our faith, we have to hear. And if we're going to hear, we got to read. We got to get in it. We got to get in God's word. That is how we hear and that is how we have greater faith. Center, recenter on scripture. I know that some of us have been there. We've had hunger for God's word before, and maybe we've fallen off, and we haven't been faithful in it. I get it. I, I, I read and I heard the average man doesn't read a book after he graduates from high school, does not complete a book after he graduates from high school. So I get it. Some of y'all are like, I don't like reading. Like, it's hard to read. I get that, and I understand that, but at the end of the day, when you start with duty, it turns into devotion. Before you know, you're going to be hungry for more of God's word. You don't got to read for an hour every day. You can start with two minutes, five minutes every day. Read a verse every day. Start somewhere and recenter yourself on the scriptures. That's the only way for faith awaken, to awaken in us. Third today. The third way today that faith can awaken, it starts with refocusing on the gospel. Everybody say gospel. 
Now, this word gospel literally means good news. It's the good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that you and I are destined for death, but Jesus came and now we're destined for life. That's the good news. That you and I were separated from God because of our sin. So God created man. He created humanity. He created Adam and Eve. And they walked and talked with each other. They had a close relationship with God where, where it was intimate and it was close. And there was nothing dividing them. But then when sin entered into the world, there was this chasm that came. Where we were now separated from a perfect God because of our sin. Well, what Jesus did is he came and he died on a cross as a sacrifice, taking on your sin and my sin and all the sin of all of mankind onto himself. And he built a bridge to where now we can walk across and have that same relationship with God once again. Not because of you, but because of him. Not because of your perfection, because of Jesus' perfection. The good news is that you now can have life and life to the fullest and life eternal because of what Jesus Christ did. That's the good news. You see, we got to remember what Jesus did. So what did we just do before uh, I got up here to speak? We partook in communion. What is that about? It's about remembering. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's about remembering the price that Jesus paid with his body, the bread, and his blood, the cup. It's about remembering. Here is what happened with Israel. If you study their times of spiritual decline in the Old Testament, you'll find that they are always characterized by a spiritual forgetting. There is a spiritual forgetting that always took place. Anytime their nation was in spiritual decline, it was because of a spiritual forgetting. They would forget about what God had done in the past. And so a lot of people will tell you, like, you don't need to look back. Just look forward. Keep your eyes fixed forward. Keep your eyes fixed on where you're going. The past is in the past. Leave it there, right? Leave it back there. But I would say to you, and I would present to you today, that sometimes to move forward, you got to look back. Because you look back and you say, look, if God was faithful to me this far, he'll be faithful to me in this. If God was faithful to me through that struggle, he's going to be faithful to me in this struggle. If God has brought me this far, he's not going to abandon me now. When we look back and see how faithful God has been, we can trust him in the struggle we're going through right now and in the future. we got to look back. we got to remember. we got to focus, refocus on the good news. The good news that God is for you. He's not against you. That God has come to give you life and life to the fullest. That just because you're going through something right now doesn't mean God hates you. Doesn't mean God's abandoned you. Doesn't mean God doesn't see you. Doesn't mean God doesn't care about you. It means this is just going to be another test in your testimony. This is just going to be another struggle that God turns into a victory that he can give him, that can give him more glory in the long run. we got to refocus on the good news. Martin Luther said this, to progress... And the Christian life is always to begin again. This awakening means that something fell asleep, but it's got to be awakened in us. What fell asleep spiritually in you? And maybe it's just remembering all the good things that God has done for you. It's remembering how faithful God has been to you. I mean, Israel was king of forgetting. They are wandering, uh, or they, they, leave Israel, they leave Egypt God saves them. He literally parts the sea and they walk on dry land and then the sea collapses and kills all these Egyptians who are chasing them on chariots and horses. 
And then like three days later, they've been walking through this desert and they don't have some water and some food. And, and they start complaining to God and saying, God, why don't you just send us back? It was better that we would have just stayed as slaves. How quickly we forget. And we love to like come down on the Israelites like, Psh, they're so unfaithful. They don't ever remember God and yet we're the same way. God's been faithful to us. He's brought us through so much and we go through one little struggle and all of a sudden we say, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. God's forgotten about me, not knowing that he's doing something in that. He's developing something in us. We have to refocus on the good news that God has been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful no matter what we go through. Fourth today. Fourth today, faith awakening in us starts with devoting ourselves to prayer. You know, we gave you these prayer journals, 21 days of fasting and prayer. And when I, we gave these to you, we printed these for you. Why? Because we need the church to pray. And I mean really pray. Like we really need the church to pray. Project Church needs the church to pray. Sacramento needs Project Church to pray. You know that God listens to and hears the cries of his people? In fact, we see in scripture that God's mind is not made up. That God's people can actually move God to action. I was reading in my uh, Bible reading plan with, that I'm going through with these guys. I was reading just the other day about when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He was going to take out Sodom and Gomorrah, destroy it. And he says to them, or, and, and Abraham hears that he's, God tells Abraham he's going to destroy it. And so Abraham goes to God. He says, God, what if I find 50 righteous people? 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you save it? And God says, all right. If you find 50, I'll save it. And then Abraham's like, oh, snap. I don't know if I can find 50. So he's like, all right, God, 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 what if I find 40? What if I find 40 righteous people, will you save it? And he's like, okay, if you find 40, God says, if you find 40, I'll save it. Okay, I don't know if I can afford it. find 40. Let's, let's try 30. 30. And he goes down to 20. And God says, all right, if you find 20, I'll save it. Finally, he goes to 10. He says, God, what if I find just 10 righteous people? Just 10 righteous people. Will you save Sodom and Gomorrah? And God says, if you find 10 righteous people, I will save Sodom and Gomorrah. What does that tell me? That tells me that God listens to his people. That he is in a conversation with us. We just see God as this dictator over up in heaven that has no relationship with us and just wants to strike us down when we do something wrong, wants to destroy people that go against him. But we serve a God that cares about us, that hears us, that hears our cries, that listens to his people, that is sympathetic to what we're going through. And God is saying to us right now, we need to pray. And I'm telling you right now, we need to pray because when we pray, God moves. We need a church that would devote itself to prayer. Hezekiah realized how feeble his attempts at reforming Israel would be without prayer. It's not just that prayer brings the awakening. Hear me in this. It's not just that prayer brings the awakening. Prayer is the awakening. Prayer is the awakening that we're looking for. When God's people pray, God moves. It is a contradiction to claim to want the power of God and yet not pray. And yet I see a lot of churches that are saying, oh, we want God to move. Chains, fall, fear, bow, all these things. We just sung the songs. We proclaimed some big things. But then when it comes to prayer, we're like, ah, oh, we can't do that. Like, I'm busy. I got things going on. I got stuff happening. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. And I hope this speaks to you because it spoke to me this week. He says this. 
Prayer pulls the rope down if the keys would come back. Prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell for they pray so languidly. Others give only an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all his might. Listen, I would not ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And so God started speaking to me and I set some some goals for 2018. How many are not morning people like me? Just raise your hand. I need some, yeah, I need to be encouraged today. Okay, a lot of you. Thank you. My wife always tells me that it's all in my head. But uh, apparently there's a lot of us like this. Like in the mornings, I want to hurt someone. You know what I'm saying? Like you feel me. Well, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me in two, for 2018, my goals or my resolutions, that I needed to create space and time to be with God and to talk to God and to listen to God. And so I decided that for the first time in my life, I'm going to start waking up in the morning early. So this week, I woke up at 5.30 every day. Now, it was painful, but I got out of bed, got my check mark on my Version Bible reading app, boom. And then I put on some worship music, and I just talked to God. I prayed to God. I listened to God. I let him speak to me. And I created space in my morning to be with him. Now, I say this not to puff myself up. It's only been seven days. But, but I say this to tell you that I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. And as a leader of this church... I'm asking us for 21 days of fasting and prayer. I'm like, I'm going to set the example in prayer. I want to set the example in prayer. And I would say prayer has never been easy for me my whole life. I'll just be honest with you. Like reading the word of God has always been easy. It came easy to me. But prayer has always been something, man, I had to work at. It's not always easy for me. But I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you that in this new year that we devote ourselves to prayer. That we be a church that prays. And I'm not saying you got to start like, I'm going to do an hour a day. No, like, calm down. Like, that's not what I'm asking. In fact, like all these people in the gym this week, they went in the first day. They went like, they've been working out for months. And then they couldn't walk for the next four days. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might have to start with just five minutes. You might just have to start with, I'm going to sit up in my bed and say a prayer before I get out and get in the shower. It can start there. But until God's people begin to pray... And cry out to God, we will not see the awakening that we're believing for. We will not see the move of God that we're believing for. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. We printed these for you. We're sending these home for you. We're going to have an email in your inbox every day. We're going to have live, Facebook live and, and, and Instagram live videos every day. Why? Because we are serious about prayer. We are serious about our church praying. That we would start this year right. That we would cry out to God for the awakening that we know our city and our nation desperately needs. It has to start in us. Finally today, faith awakening in us starts with giving generously. It starts with giving generously. Now can I just celebrate you guys real quick? Can I celebrate with you? And I want to celebrate you. Because December of 2017, last month, 
was the biggest giving month in the history of Project Church. Come on, somebody. Let's give God some praise. The biggest giving month in the history of Project Church in five years. We're almost to five years. The biggest giving month. Why? Because we have a generous church. And here's what we see actually in this story. We see that the people of Israel, they give generously out of their first, fruit, first fruits. But they don't give it because they're coerced to give. They don't give it because they're manipulated to give. They don't give because they're forced to give. They give out of a response to what God was doing. And I believe we saw the, gen the generosity of our church in this last month because we've been seeing God do new things in our church. We've been seeing God do new things in us and through us. God is releasing new things. And so we are responding in generosity to what God is already doing. But I want to encourage you and challenge you. If our faith is going to be awakened, we got to become generous. And a lot of us have been anything but generous in our lives. We've held on to it because we earned it. I mean, I did this. I made this myself. This was from my blood, sweat, and tears. Faith awakening, it doesn't just happen in one part or small parts. It's in the whole part. Part of that is our giving. That we would be a generous church. So I want to read to close verse number 6 of chapter 31 here in 2 Chronicles. It says, And the people of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of cattle and sheep and the tithe of the dedicated things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God and laid them in heaps. Everybody say heaps. Laid them in heaps. In the third month, they began to pile up the heaps and finish them in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Did you see that? That was a lot of heaps. But you know what happened there? What happened there is God did so many amazing things. They were seeing such an awakening happen in the church and in the nation of Israel. They were seeing God do so many amazing things that they gave generously and there were heaps and heaps and heaps. Heaps and heaps. And it actually says, I've never done this on a Sunday morning. I don't know why, I just felt like coming down here. I couldn't see your faces. I'm messing with the camera guys right now. It actually says that he questions the people. He questions the Levites, which are the spiritual leaders. They're the priests. They're the, the pastors of, of the nation of Israel. It says that he questions them about the heaps. The reason he questioned them about the heaps is because he himself was surprised at the overflow. He was surprised at the abundance at the extra. He was surprised that there was so much left over. And actually, if we keep reading, it tells us that they use all the heaps to pay off everything they're doing in the temple. They use all the heaps to handle all the things they need to take care of for God and for God's house. And there's so much left over that they begin to give to their neighbors. They begin to give to the poor. They begin to give to all those who are in need in the nation of Israel. And they bless the entire nation. Why? Because of the generosity of the people. There's power 
in generosity. And God is a God of overflow. I'm here to tell you right now. God is a God of overflow. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of more than enough. And I believe he wants to release heaps in your life. He wants to release heaps in our church. He wants to release heaps on this stage. He wants to release heaps in your jobs. He wants to release heaps in your families, heaps in your neighborhoods. God wants to release more than ever before in your life. But it's going to start in us. It's going to start with an awakening in us. And so I'm asking right now that we would today declare, we would commit and we would believe and we would stand up and say, I will believe for an awakening in my faith. I will believe for an awakening. And let me tell you, an awakening doesn't come easy. Do you hear me? An awakening doesn't come cheap. An awakening doesn't come easy. An awakening costs us something. And I'm looking for, and I'm crying out to, and I'm saying to you, are you willing to pay the price to see the awakening that we need to see in this city and in this nation? God needs a church that will pay the price. God needs a church that will pay the price it takes to see the awakening that God wants to usher in our city. The awakening that God wants to usher in our nation. And I'm here to tell you, I will, pay, I will lead the way in paying the price. I've decided in 2018, God, whatever price you want me to pay, I will pay. But he is saying now to each and every one of you, are you willing to pay the price for the awakening that God wants to do in this city? That God wants to do in this nation. It starts in the church. If we're going to see an awakening through us, it has to start in us. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? We're going to pray.